Hey everybody, how are you doing today? I understand that um, farmers have been working really hard this last week, putting in some extra hours. And I also understand that it can be really uh, challenging to stay awake when I speak. And so there may be this desire from the farmers that I have a little extra grace this morning as you fall asleep in my message. And I just want you to, to know there is no grace for you. I am watching. I know the farmers. I'm watching you today. Okay, just kidding. Hey, we are in a series going through First Peter. Uh, Peter was actually a disciple of Jesus, one of the original 12 disciples, probably the disciple that we know the most about because we have the most information uh, about Peter. And he wrote this little letter near the end of his life, and it's near the end of our Bibles, called First Peter. And uh, he wrote it to Christians 2,000 years ago, scattered throughout different provinces uh, in, in Asia Minor, which was the Roman Empire at the time. And... Uh, as Peter writes, he actually gives us the purpose statement for why he writes this letter. Now, we've subtitled it steadfast, but Peter used a different word. It's a less common word. But he says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12, here's why I wrote to you. I testify that this is the true grace of God. If you've ever wondered, what is the grace of God? What is the true grace of God? You just need to read 1 Peter. Peter's like, here's the true grace of God. And then he makes this little statement. He says, Here's, I testify this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. And I love that word picture of stand fast. Uh, I, I think of it this way. Be quick to not move as you've just heard the grace of God that I've spoken to you. We've titled it Steadfast. And one of the things that Peter's gonna call Christians to 2,000 years ago, and this applies to us today as well, is to stand fast or to remain steadfast as it relates to the idea of influence. As it relates to influence. Now here's the interesting thing. I think it's kind of ironic actually. Peter in his life was not always all that steadfast as it related to influence. He didn't live this perfectly. I don't think he expects us to live it perfectly, but it is something as he gets into the later years of his life, he says, this is the true grace of God and you need to stand fast in it as it relates to influence. Here's an example of when Peter struggled to stand fast as it related to influence. Uh, Peter had actually been shown by God at an earlier time in his life that Gentile Christians were included in the body of Christ, in the church of God. See, up to that time, they kind of had this wondering because God had chosen the nation of Israel. They were Jewish people. And now that there was gonna be these Christ followers, did the Christians need to become Jewish to be part of God's family? And God shows up in a vision and he tells Peter, he says, no, 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 Gentiles don't have to become Jewish to become Christian. And I accept Gentiles based on their faith in Jesus. This was an amazing moment. But then at a later time, Peter, while hanging out with Jewish Christians, started to become two-faced. He was hypocritical. He started separating himself from the Gentile Christians just to hang out with the Jewish Christians, even though when the Jewish Christians weren't there, he was fine to hang out with the Gentile Christians. But because of the influence of these Jewish Christians, he became hypocritical. He struggled to stand fast in the truth and was influenced by those around us. And that's what he's gonna challenge us in. What does it look like to remain steadfast as it relates to the influence in this world? Now, regarding influence, 
Have you ever noticed we tend to like people who are kind of like us. This is just kind of normal humanity, right? People that look like us, people that act like us, people that have interests like us. We kind of just like people who are a little bit like us. And here's the interesting, people who aren't like us, they tend to make us a little bit uncomfortable, right? It's like, oh, you're, you're different. I don't know what to do with that difference. And so people that are different than us, they tend to make us a little bit uncomfortable. Let me, let me give you an example. Uh, you go out to eat with your friends at a restaurant and everyone orders, you know, deep fried junk food, right? Like burgers and fries and it's just like, just bubbling with stuff, fat and grease. And then when it's your turn to order, you're like, I'll just order a salad, no uh, dressing, please, right? And everyone at the table is like, what, what? You judging me about how I, like, it just makes them uncomfortable, right? Like, why don't you eat like us, right? It's just people who are different make us a little bit uncomfortable. And when people are different and we don't know what to do with the uncomfort, something begins to happen. And it's this little word called influence. And influence shows up in one or two ways. Either I am influenced to join them. I'll order the burger and fries, right? It's just like, okay, it's not worth it. Or they are influenced to become like me. And the reason influence works this way, and we call it peer pressure, you've heard that word maybe more, is we tend to like people who are like us. Meaning we want them to be like us. And if they're not like us, we don't know what to do with that uncomfortable space. And so then there's this, this pressure, either you have to become like me or I have to become like you. And so we, 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 we get influenced or we influence others. In fact, I bet some of the worst habits in your life right now, the ones that you've been trying to kick maybe for a couple years or last few months, some of the habits that you're not really all that proud of, I bet some of them were because of this. You were influenced, you were in a group of people and you started to do something that you wish you hadn't started and now you just can't stop. But this works both ways, right? I bet some of the best habits in your life are the result of influence. And there were some people around you and they were all doing that and you started and you're so thankful for their influence on your life. It's why it's often been said, if you wanna be healthier, just hang out with healthy people. Because their you know, habits, health habits start to rub off on you. And if you want to be wealthier, hang out with wealthy people. Not because there's this magical thing that happens that you start to you know, get money from their account that transfers to yours. No, you start to make better financial decisions as you are influenced with those who make wise financial decisions. It's called influence. And this is also true of our faith. And Peter talks about this. And how do we remain steadfast in the faith when there's all kinds of influence pushing around us and against us? And in fact, Peter did not come up with the things he's gonna say. He actually heard his master, his rabbi, Jesus, pray a prayer over him that spoke about this idea of influence. And Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, prayed this prayer for his disciples, the 12. But by extension, I think it is true of all disciples and the prayer Jesus prays for all of us as we come to follow him as it relates to influence. And Jesus said this. He said, they, the disciples, are not of the world 
even as I am not of it. He's talking to his heavenly father, God. And Jesus says, they, the disciples are not of this world. I have pulled them out. They are gonna be different, maybe opposite to. They are not gonna be the same as those who are in the world. But then he says this, and this is interesting. And so there's this, this is already gonna be uncomfortable, right? Both for the world and for us. Because we like people who are like us. And Jesus says, they are not like the world. So there's already discomfort. But then Jesus says this regarding influence. Two verses later, he says, as you sent me, Father, into the world, I have sent them into the world. And Jesus says, they are gonna be different. And then sometimes that's gonna be a little bit uncomfortable, but their difference isn't just simply to be different. Their difference is for a purpose. Our difference is for the purpose of making a difference. Jesus did not pull us out of the world so that we could stay out of the world. He changed us and made us different for the purpose of sending us back in to see that difference and that influence spread to others. And Peter talks about that in 1 Peter. And he's gonna describe how this all works and what the call is for those of us who are followers of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, go to 1 Peter chapter one. We'll start in verse 12. And as you're finding that, it's near the end of your Bibles. Uh, Peter is just recently, if you remember the last two weeks, he's talked about hope, the hope that we have in Jesus. And it's not a hope so hope, not a cross your fingers kind of hope. It's a sure hope. He called it a living hope. And the reason he called it a living hope is because Jesus has been raised from the dead. Our hope is in Christ and Jesus is alive. This amazing, amazing thing. And he says, because you have this living hope, you are filled with this joy now. You're being filled with joy now. He, in essence, he says, here's the gospel, the good news message for you. When you put your faith in Jesus, here's what you just received, a living hope that leads to joy. And now he's gonna say, because you've, you've received that, here's how you ought to live. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, when he says with minds that are alert, there's this kind of Greek phrase, and in essence, it means this, gird yourselves up. In, in, in the old kind of ancient times, there was this phrase that said, gird up your loins. And, and in, in ancient times, men had robes that they would wear. And if they had to kind of get ready to run somewhere or to get active, they would kind of pull up their robes around them and put a belt, put it under their belt, tuck it under their belt so that they could run. So it wasn't slowing them down. Peter uses that same phrase, but he uses it for our minds. With minds that are alert, prepare your minds for action. You've just been saved. You've got this living hope, this joy that's bubbling up in you, but you're living in a world that's different than how you've been called to live. And you're gonna need your minds ready. It's gonna be a battle. So he says, you need minds that are alert. And then he also says, you need minds that are fully sober. Now, we hear the word so sober and we think instantly of intoxication, right? It's, it's obviously, Peter doesn't want us to get drunk. He doesn't want us to be intoxicated with, you know, prescription drugs or, or uh, other kinds of drugs or alcohol. Yes, scripture teaches that any kind of intoxication is both unwise and isn't all that godly. So yes, he's saying that, but he's saying way more than that. When Peter says have minds that are fully sober, he means fully sober in the most broadest sense possible. Peter understood that we can become intoxicated with things that are not alcohol or drugs. And we can become intoxicated with things like wealth 
and advancement, money. We can get intoxicated with recreation and reputation and power. And these things can start to consume us. And when we get consumed with these things, guess what? We're not different from the world. And he says, as you've been given salvation, you're gonna need minds that are ready for action, fully sober, not intoxicated with the things of this world. Rather, if you're gonna become intoxicated, here's what he says. Rather, set your hope, be filled, put your direction, all of your energy, set it on the hope, uh, your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed that is coming. Be filled with this, set your minds on this, this grace that's been given to you and the hope that you have and that affects your life now and here's how. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. <laughs> here's how it works out in the everyday, in the behavior of our lives. He says, do not conform. You have been called out from the world. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. But here's where there's been an interesting tension in, in Christianity and history. For a lot of, the, uh, of us and through history, Christians have seen this and they're like, okay, so what's bad is the world, right? The ways of the world, the world is what's bad. So we need to escape the world. And Christians have done this in many ways, often physically. We just escape the world. We set up our commune. We set up our Christian subculture and we don't rub shoulders with anyone from the world because we just want to be in our safe zone, right? But here's the problem with that thinking and it's happened throughout history. You can read the history books. It happens all the time. When we fear the world out there but don't deal with the world in here, guess what follows us when we run away from the world? The world. And the world keeps showing up in our Christian subcultures and our Christian communes, and our little places of doing life, and the world keeps showing up. Because here's what Peter says, and, and listen to what he says carefully. He does not say as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires out there. He says the world we need to feel, fear first is the world in here. We need to not conform to what's happening on the inside, who we were before we became Christians, our old nature, our fleshly nature, the things that we used to do before Jesus became part of our life. He said, you need to deal with that, the inside first. And then he goes on and here's what it looks like. Don't conform. He goes on and says, but just as he who called you, that's your father in heaven, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy that quote is from God from the Old Testament. And the word holy actually means to be separate, the separate one, to be altogether different. And what God declared in the Old Testament, he said, I am different, I am set apart, I am holy, I am perfect. And now I want you to be holy, set apart, different, perfect. In fact, in the Old Testament, God spoke this to the nation of Israel. But here's the interesting thing about the nation of Israel. They struggled to follow this. God had called the nation out from all the other nations of the world. And he said, I want you to be different. I want you to be set apart. I have called you and I've called you holy. But guess what the nation of Israel kept doing? They kept becoming like the nations around them. They'd look around and be like, but we wanna be like them. 
But we wanna be like them. We wanna worship like them. We wanna serve their gods. And in essence, God said over and over, if you're gonna live like them, I'm gonna have to discipline you because you're no longer good to the world because the reason I called you out to be different and holy was so that you would be a light to the other nations. But if you're just like the other nations, you're no longer a light to them. And this is true of the church. And Peter says, just like the nation of Israel was called out as followers of Jesus, we've been called out. But if we're just like the world, we're no longer any good to the world. And we've been called out to be different, to be holy. And he goes on and says, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Meaning you're living in the world but you're living by the rules of a different kingdom. You're just like this stranger, this foreigner. Another word would be an alien to the ways of this world. And then Peter kind of riffs. It's like, he doesn't want us to forget. We don't do this in our own strength. He kind of goes back and he riffs on, how is it that this came about? And he tells our salvation story all over again. If you're a follower of Jesus, here's your story. He's gonna tell you your story. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I wanna call on you. Make this your story. And here's the story of salvation. Four, you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed, redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. You know if you're a follower of Jesus, this is your story. You are given an empty way of life as it relates to the life in this world. There was no purpose and there was no meaning. You do your 70, 80 years, you get what you can and you lose it all because we all die the same. And if you're not a follower of Jesus and at some point you've wrestled with, and I know at some point in the heart of your hearts, you have wrestled with this question, what is the purpose of my life? Is there anything beyond this world? I want you to know the salvation story for you is that God has redeemed. He has made a way for you to have purpose and have connection to your heavenly father through his son, Jesus. And that's what he says next. He says, your life was redeemed. Not, you were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. That you had a father who sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sin, to pay for your sin, so that you could be in relationship with God. He, that's Jesus, the perfect lamb, was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake, so that you could be saved, so you could have purpose and have relationship with your father. Through him, you believe in God. And, and it was God who raised him, Jesus, from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and your hope are in God. And this is your story isn't it? This is my story. And I want to invite those of you who have not put your faith in Jesus to make this your story. That today you take the opportunity, it's your day to be made right with God, your day to receive eternal life, to be given new birth into a new life. And it's simply admitting Jesus, I'm a sinner. I do not deserve, I cannot earn my way to you, God. And believe, I believe Jesus is my savior. His death covered over my sin. And I commit my life. You have control of my life. Father, I want you to come live in me. And if you do that today, you have just been redeemed. You have just stepped into brand new life. 
And Peter says this, this is what changes our every day. And he goes back to our every day. He says this, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Now there's a lot packed into here and I'm going to break it down. He says, now that you have purified yourselves, which is an interesting phrase because we know from scripture that we don't sanctify ourselves. God sent his spirit. The Holy Spirit cleans us, sanctifies us. That's what sanctify means. God purifies us. We don't purify ourselves. But here's the interesting thing about what Peter says. He says in the sanctification process, in the purifying process, we are not passive agents. Yes, God initiates and God does the work, but we are active agents in the purification process. And we step in step with what the Spirit is doing in us when we obey the truth. And as he cleans us and says, hey, this needs to change, we step in step with his spirit when we obey his call on our life. And we begin to purify ourselves under his power. And then he says this purification, and he's already kind of talked about this idea of our moral and ethics and worldviews change, right? Put aside the old sinful lifestyle that you used to live in. But he says, not only do our morals and ethics change because of what Christ has done, in giving us new birth, he says our love changes as well. So that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Now in English, we kind of have, kind of like just one word for love in English. It's the word love. That's about it, it's all we got. You know, so we say things like, I love pizza. I love pizza. I love the smell of rain before it rains. I love beaches. I love the color orange. I love the Edmonton Oilers. I know some of you don't. I love my wife. I love my children. I love my grandchildren. I love my grandma. I love my girlfriend, my boyfriend. And we know when we say we love all of those things that we are not talking about the same kind of love in all of those things. Unless you have this romantic affection for the smell of rain before it rains, which would make you a little strange, I would say. But we just know love means different things in all of those contexts. In Greek, which Peter's writing in, there are different words for love. And Peter actually uses two different words for love. When he says, so that you have sincere love for each other, the word he uses there is the word phileo or Philadelphia. And you already know what that word means because the city of Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. And so he says, Since, so that you have sincere brotherly love, this kind of friendship kind of love for each other. And then he says this, now love one another deeply. And when he says this word love, it's the word agape love. And this was not a common word for love in the first century. In fact, it was the Christian faith that made this word famous. Because this word agape love came out of an incident in history. Something that happened in history that showed us what this kind of love meant. And you can't know this kind of love without talking about a historical event. It's when God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, not for his friends. When Jesus died on the cross for his enemies and he sacrificed the 
paid the ultimate sacrifice for people who were not his friends, for people like you and me who were his enemies because of our sin. And that kind of sacrificial love defines what Peter is calling Christians to because you have been given new birth. You are called holy, separate. It's a different kind of love that is strange and weird in our world today. Who would love their enemies? Who would sacrifice that kind of way? And I think this is a challenge for those of us who are believers. Because some of you, and sometimes I have this thought, is I really like Jesus, but can I have Jesus apart from the church? Because there's some church people, I think they're just kind of, I'm gonna say it nicely, they're just strange. I don't like them, they're not a whole lot. We like people who are like us. There's some church people that just don't think like me and they're wrong. And sometimes they hurt me and it's difficult. And we get this idea, I just really love Jesus apart from his people. Or can I have Jesus and just like the five people that we all think the same and we're just kind of, we'll do our own kind of church, just us. But I think there's something significant about the larger church, the larger gathering of the church. Because the larger gathering of the church allows us to live into a love like Peter calls us to. To sacrificially love some Christians who think very different than I do and that I think are wrong. Some Christians that sometimes they feel more like enemies than friends. And yet I'm called in this new life that I've been given to allow the love of Christ, agape love, to flow through me to others. And that's a challenge. And he says, we do this, purifying ourselves, morally, ethically, but also in living into this new kind of love. Why? For you have been born again. You have a whole new life, not of imperishable seed, but or a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. And then Peter riffs on this idea of the word of God. And Jesus came as the word. So he's talking about Jesus as well. For all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord, the good news about Jesus endures forever. And this is the word, the gospel that was preached to you that you have now received that changes you from the inside out. And then Peter, for a number of verses, riffs on how that all plays out, on how God is changing us as a body. And we're gonna look at that next week. But after he does, he summarizes, he comes back to this idea, and I wanna steal two verses from next week. They're so important, you need to hear them too two times. Verse 11 and 12, he kind of summarizes this all back up together. He says this, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from the sinful desires which wage war against your bodies. As people who live by a different set of rules, a different kingdom, you're living in the kingdom of God. You're his children now. Don't live the old life. Abstain from the old desires and passions that you had. They wage war against your soul. And then he says, but rather do this. You're gonna be different. You're gonna be exiles. You're gonna be aliens in this world. And that's gonna cause some tension, right? Because we like people who are like us and when the world sees us and we're different from them, there's gonna be this discomfort. But rather, as you live in that discomfort, do this. Live such good lives 
among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. <laughs> Be weird. But not the kind of weird that's like, ugh, weird. The kind of weird that's like, that's weird. That kind of makes me uncomfortable. But I want that. This is what Jesus is calling us to. That we live as exiles and strangers and aliens in this world where the world comes in contact with us and they say, that's uncomfortable. That's just different. That's weird. But I want that. I don't know why you guys live morally that way. That's so weird. But I want that. How do you guys love that kind of way? That is a strange kind of love. Who would love that kind of way? But I want that. Do you know who did this so, 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 so well? You guys know, you're in church, right? The answer is always Jesus. Okay, you got it. Jesus did this. Have you ever noticed when Jesus walked the earth, if you know your New Testament, when Jesus walked the earth, who was it that was constantly attracted to him? Sinners, like prostitutes and tax collectors. It was the sinners. It wasn't the good people, the righteous, the religious leaders. They hated him. It was the people that kind of, when they bumped up against Jesus, were like, oh, Jesus, that, that teaching about the new kingdom, that's weird. That's uncomfortable. But I want that. And people that were nothing like Jesus morally, nothing like Jesus ethically, people who did not love like Jesus loved, they were attracted to Jesus and they wanted more of him. And I think that's what Peter's saying. He's saying, I saw this. And as Jesus lives in you, as you have been given new birth, live that kind of way. Where you're weird, you're a stranger. You're living by a different set of code of ethics and morals and love. But when the world comes in contact with you, they're like, that's weird. But I want that. See, because Peter's calling us to have influence. Influence with those we come in contact with. I said earlier, we tend to like people who are like us. And because we tend to like people who are like us, influence starts to occur. And Peter has just called us and said, I want you to stand fast. You don't change your ethics and morals and your love to fit the way the world loves and lives. Stand fast in the true grace of God. Be different. Here's why. Because if we are just like others, we are no good to others. If we are just like the world around us, we have become no, of no use to them. Jesus has called us to be the light. But if we're not shining the light, what good are we to them? Jesus has called us to be salt. But if the salt is no longer salty and we've just become like the culture around us, are we any good to them? Are we pointing anyone to God? If we're just like others, we are of little good to others. But likewise, and here's the challenge, it's a two-sided coin. If we are not with others, we also are of little good to others. And Peter talks about this. And this is the truth of the gospel. That we are not only to be different from, remember Jesus said, I'm sending them back into the world. The story of Jesus goes this way in John 
The word, that's Jesus. The word Jesus became flesh and he made, and let's say this word together, his dwelling. God who is God chose to take on flesh. God who is altogether holy and separate from us became of use to us because his son became like us in humanity, but not like us in morality. He was perfect and he made his dwelling among us. And because of that, we have been given a light that leads us to our heavenly father. Jesus came as the way, the truth, and the light. See, if we are gonna follow in his footsteps, then we will realize that we, if we are not with others, if we are not in the world, we are of no good to others. We are of no good to the world. And this is what Peter says. He says, live such good lives, where? Among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day he visits us. If we are, not, if we are just like others, we are of little good to others. So I wanna ask you today, as you hear this message, as you've stepped into following Jesus, what are the things that the Holy Spirit of God has been tapping you in your heart and saying, you're, you're living in the old lifestyle in this particular area. You're just like the world around you. And it's time to clean up. And he's gonna clean you from the inside out as you step in step with the spirit and live in obedience to the truth. What are the things that you need to allow God to change in you so that you're not like the world around you? And maybe some of you are feeling real good right now. You're like, oh, I'm so different. I'm so not like the world. I live by different morals and standards and I have this love. But the challenge for us then is this. If we are not with others, we are of no good to others. And maybe we're living a different life, but we have, we have created a subculture. And oh, we're comfortable with our group of Christians, but we're not rubbing any shoulders with those who are not. And the challenge for you today may be, who are the people that I need to start rubbing shoulders with in my sphere who don't know Jesus yet? Because I have the salt and I am the salt of the earth. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And what would it look like to be of value to those who don't have the light yet and point them to their heavenly father? See, our difference wasn't just so that we'd be weird. It'd be so that our alien life in this world, our difference would point people to their savior and their God. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for what you've done and we keep coming back to this message of salvation. Peter keeps coming back. We don't live into this on our own effort. It is all your work, what you did on the cross that we receive by faith in you, Jesus. And Father, those who have not accepted that uh, salvation, I pray that today they would have the courage to follow your leading, to give their lives to you. And for, Father, for those of us who have stepped into this new birth, that we would step and step with the Spirit. And as you tap on us and say, hey, this part of you needs to change. I'm calling you out. Don't be like the world in this area. That we would step into step with the Spirit and walk in obedience to you. But Father, as you've changed us from the inside out, may we be those who intentionally 
Live among the pagans. Live among those who don't know you yet with the light that you have put inside of us. And may it point to you. May they glorify you, Father. Pray that you give us courage and strength in this. And I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.